What is your first reaction to the word imperfect? Does it make you uncomfortable? Would you be offended if someone used the word to describe you? If true perfection doesn't exist, then why are we so afraid of not achieving it? In the Imperfect Joy podcast, I will share stories from life, business, and parenthood that show how there is beauty in the journey, not despite imperfections, but rather because of them. Through the vulnerability of sharing life exactly as it is, I hope to bring light to struggles and slip-ups that are necessary to move forward and find joy in each and every day. Are you having a hard time in quarantine getting away from all of the everyday stuff to focus on work or even on the regular everyday tasks of getting bills done and making phone calls? It. I know that it's been really challenging for me to do anything consistently when the kids and husband and everything is home all the time. So I went to something called an implementation lab hosted by Jennifer Zwiebel. And I wanted to share that with you in episode three of the Imperfect Joy podcast. In these virtual meetings, Jennifer helps people take their passions from a vision to reality. For some, they dream of a successful business. For others, they use the space as a way to step forward in life each and every day. So today we might have some kid sounds in the background because my kiddos are awake. <laughs> That's how it goes. Um, we are with Jennifer. Okay, you have to tell me your last name because I can never say it right. Zwiebel. Zwiebel. Jennifer Zwiebel. And can you share a little bit about what you do and what your business is? I can do that. Um, I am, as you said, Jennifer Zwiebel. I, my business is called A Place of Joy. And I work with established entrepreneurs to help them take their best ideas and bring them to life. Uh, and what that really looks like is people coming with things that they have either been simmering and marinating on, or just they've had an epiphany and say, this is the thing, or I've got 16 really great ideas, help me choose. And we will then get them hyper-focused and get clear on what their priorities are, which idea or ideas are most aligned, and then do everything from building a strategy to implementing to wrangling the mindset issues that like to leap up and sabotage them so that instead they can be in a place of joy and bring their ideas to life. Wonderful. So um, I have been seeing you do something called the implementation labs this quarantine season. Can you <laughs> tell me a little bit about what that is? I first love that you call it a season because that implies that it will end ever. <laughs> so I appreciate that. Um, yeah, absolutely. So um, the implementation labs were one of those brainstorms that happened very, very quickly. I had actually been working on a completely different program that was going to be a four month program that I was about to launch, like literally about to launch when we got quarantined. Uh, I'm in New York. So that happened to us right in the middle of March. And, um, so we got sent, a kids got sent home on a Thursday and they said, don't come back to school on Friday or indefinitely. And I realized in that moment that starting that Monday, there were going to be a lot of people suddenly sitting at home 
whether they had kids or not, trying to create structure from nothing, right? Suddenly people who had been in offices with specific physical and emotional and uh, work structure would suddenly be flailing around. And I knew from my own experience that creating an external structure for other people is a game changer. So I said, what people are going to need is something that carves out time where they can declare, oh, this time is set aside and I will be focused and I will have something to work on and I will be able to get it done. So even if it's just for 90 minutes a day, I will have accomplished something. Um, and this was based on my get one thing done days that I had been doing for years. And I threw that, that was like a Sunday. I came together with this idea. I said it should be short and people need to pay for it because otherwise they're not showing up. Um, but it needs to be affordable because people are in a big panic right now. And I understand that. So I wanted to make it very accessible. So I threw together between Sunday and Monday night, um, the entire thing, threw up a landing page, got my VA to get the back end up. And I launched Monday at 8 p.m. and people immediately started signing up because that's what people were really needing. And it, it hit exactly the right note. And it was one of those moments when you have the right idea at the right time so nothing gets in the way and it's good enough and you get it out because that's what the world needs. Yeah, definitely. I have been to a couple of them and it was incredibly helpful to just like have that accountability to do what I said I would do in that time. Yes. <laughs> like there's, when everybody's home all the time, there's like this never ending um, factor of like that my life and my business overlap with each other. Mm -hmm. um, so it really helped me kind of parse out and, and say to everyone else in the house, like, this is my work time and I am focusing on this one thing and I will not have any other distractions. Um, it doesn't it. happen very much right now. I've heard, I heard that from many people, particularly from people. That, so I heard two things. One is from people who did have other distractions, um, either partners or children or animals, like all of these things coming to demand attention, somehow they suddenly respected it. If you were on a Zoom call with other businessy looking people, like, oh, okay, I'll come back later. So it really served that purpose. Yeah. And then on the flip side for people who were quarantined alone and were hungry, starving for human contact and interaction and connection, this really served that purpose of not only show up and get something done, but be with other people. And I wasn't even thinking about that when I set it up, but that became a huge need that it served. And I, and I love what it's turned into, which, it, which is something that I didn't even quite expect. So it, at the beginning, there were more of the entrepreneurs coming to get their work done, but it has evolved into almost like a soul sister group of people who have gone through this experience together and who are taking, taking, um, taking the time to do the things they need to get done or want to get done. And because they've been doing it for so long now, right? We're in four months already. A lot of these people have stayed and they've grown together and not just through the quarantine and, you know, COVID experience, but in what it looks like to show up for yourself on a regular basis and to set aside the time for the things that are important to you on an almost daily basis and to see things change and grow and to see yourself actually make progress, which is something that a lot of us don't see very often. So that kind of blew me away. Yeah, definitely. 
Um, okay, so I have one question for you and then we'll kind of get a little bit more into the nitty gritty of how the implementation labs look. Um, so how have you seen imperfection show up in your business and how, what are some ways that you've seen it turn into positive change? So I love that question because there's imperfection everywhere you look in my business. And I think, I think you got to embrace that, you know, whether you're an entrepreneur or just a regular human. Um, like we, if we try to go through life, which I think I tried to do for a very long time, aiming for perfection and being dissatisfied with anything else. God, I was so miserable. And you know, it just, it doesn't happen any other way. You might have a moment in your life, you know, moments that feel like, oh, flow, zone of genius. Everything just worked really well. Like I, I remember a few years ago when, um, I, I can't remember, my kids were really little. I had one of those creative mom moments where I took a, a big cardboard box that like a bunch of diapers had once come in and I made it into a three-story dollhouse and it was gorgeous and I was so crafty and I had I had all this leftover scrapbooking paper because ha, who has time to scrapbook once you have actual children so I took all my scrapbooking paper and I made this mod cool dollhouse with a loungy attic and a bunk bed and a like my dream kitchen because I don't have my dream kitchen yet so it was you know functional in the dollhouse and it was amazing and I posted a picture of it on Facebook and I got all of those likes and energy and I was and like the next day I was you know in the you know totally wreck mom like I had been like victorious mom and then the very next day like very quickly I became you know mess all over me laundry piling up oh my god how am I also running a business mom so you can get those moments of perfection and I think embrace them as what a great moment this is and your life is not always supposed to feel and look like this because it doesn't um, so to my business, it's all over the place. It's, you know, it was launching the implementation labs in two days and saying it's good enough and trusting. So you ask how, you know, you exactly ask this, but what do you learn from that? I think one of the things that I've finally been able to learn is get it out there when it's good enough and know that you will make things better if they need to be made better. So, you know, this was such a crazy circumstance to try to launch anything while everyone's lives were up in the air and there's a, a terrifying pandemic going on. Um, so I think, you know, moments like that are plenty of space for you to do things not perfectly. So putting it out there, knowing in advance that this is good enough and I can change it was huge. Um, and I did change it because I threw it out there. I was like, sign up for two weeks at a time. And you know, pay whatever you want. And I did those things for a reason and they were smart, but then I realized it doesn't, no one's re-signing up. They're just sort of like indefinitely getting emails and they keep coming week after week, which is lovely to have them, but now I'm not actually getting paid for anything. And there's no easy way to tag people so that, you know, I had to do it again well enough, but better than I did the first time around. So now you sign up for one week at a time and now I can automate certain pieces of it and other things I just had to embrace. This is going to be, you know, on me to deal with every week. And if I do it, then it'll work better. And if I don't do it, it won't work as well. But that was the compromise that made sense for this moment in time, for this particular program in this particular way. Good enough. Um, 
it's interesting how you said about like basically like you just have to put it out there even though it's imperfect and it will improve over time and if we just kind of keep it to ourselves and keep working on it like we don't make the same kind of progress um i i think back to when i was in high school i loved to sew um i for it was for like halloween i would make these extravagant civil war gowns because <laughs> i just wanted to learn like how to do something new so i like went all in on doing something super complicated like corset hoop skirt everything the whole shebang and um i can't tell you how many times i had to tear things apart and mm. repo them because i I mean, I must have built that dress three times, <laughs> the amount of um, stitches that I had to take out. And it, it took so much longer to take it apart. But <laughs> then the next time I did it so much better. Yes. And I learned all of these skills that like now I could pick up a sewing pattern and like it doesn't have anything in it that I've never done before because these patterns are so complicated. I had to learn them all. So I, I love it people like implementing their imperfections and then growing from that in these labs what well I'll, I'll answer that but I want to talk about what you said because it's so important you just gave me the chills like, because I'll tell you why yeah. what you grabbed in there was a desire to do something new and a willingness to take on, and I know you well enough to know that this is just how you operate. Like, I will take yes. on that huge and very complicated, I'm not yes. going to start at ground zero. I'm just going right to like level 100. So <laughs> to take on that, and not that everyone has to do that, but to take on a challenge. And the key part is the willingness and ability to accept in advance that I'm going to have to tear this thing apart a few times before I get it close to where I want to be. And that is okay. Right. That is normal and expected. I, I write so often about lowering the bar and I don't mean that in terms of, you know, put crappy stuff out there. What I mean is know that, you know, it's going to take a few iterations and know that that is normal. Whereas, you know, I remember, I, I tell this all the time, the story of how when I was a senior in high school and I was taking AP English and I hadn't read the book, Go Down Moses. I hadn't read the book and I had to hand in a paper. So I stayed up all night to write a paper on a book I hadn't actually really read. And I got it back and I got a B minus and I cried all the way home because I had some ridiculous expectation that I should be able to write an A paper on a book I hadn't read. Like, it's pretty impressive that I pulled off a B minus, but for me, that wasn't at all good enough. And I, cry I was 17, I was crying. And if I could, you know, go back, <laughs> I'd probably make myself read the book, but also like just shift the expectations. You know, we, our society sets us up all these before and after pictures, right, of, of your home or of your body, of your anything, they never show you that work that happens in between and all the two steps forward and one step back and the crying and wanting to give up and the regression and the progress and the tears and the boredom and the plateaus. They cut all of that out because that's not the fun part. But if we go in knowing that that's the normal part, our expectations will be much healthier and we will be kinder to ourselves and not have to waste time beating ourselves up for when things go wrong, which they will. Yes. So that is my tirade about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 
have always considered myself a perfectionist and like that I try so hard to achieve things and do them like a specific way um, and do them like what I consider the right way. Mm -hmm. Um, But then like in circumstances, like I just shared in like sewing or like in web design, like I can't tell you how many times I've had to like read redo things or change them on my website to better align with what I am but without seeing it or doing it I don't know how to change it I don't know what to change um and there's a piece of me that has always felt like um my my striving to be better and I touched on this in the previous episode but that my striving to be better is perfectionism which is wrong um and I wasn't until I listened to Brene Brown about like how perfectionism is more of like how other people see us, like worrying about like looking the right way or saying the right thing or doing the right thing. And for me, like I had to piece those apart so that I could accept that me striving for things is not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Trying to be better and do better is like, it's just part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And that's a good thing that in most circumstances, I love it. I, I love that it so much. Becoming a bad thing sometimes when I like get stuck on trying to refine things over and over and over that are good enough. Because mm. there comes a point that you just like have to accept that it's not going to. It doesn't. There doesn't need to get better, right? Yeah, you're making a really good distinction here, right? The the first half is such a great point. You need to get something out there. You need to get your hands on it. You need to be able to see it, feel it, taste it, experience it, whatever field you're in, whatever piece of life you're talking about in order to decide which parts work and which parts don't. You know, when you ever hear about the way plays get to Broadway, it's such a long process, you know, from the first draft of a play through the many iterations and the many drafts to workshopping it, to getting feedback, to having it, you know, staged somewhere far off in the middle of somewhere else um, and changing it and then putting it in front of an audience and then changing it again and then getting closer and closer to Broadway, maybe, and then reworking it and reaching. I mean, and then the person sitting in the theater when it's finally on Broadway is seeing something completely different than what the writer started off with. But that writer could never have gotten to that, you know, to the words on the page that are being spoken on the Broadway stage without that first draft and without getting the feedback and making those changes. So it's it's really embracing it as a process rather than, you know, almost it has to be a finished piece very soon. So really embracing and, and getting joy out of the process. We're forgetting that joy part. Because yeah. so much more of the time is spent in process than in final product. And if you talk to artists very often, what they say is the power and the passion is in the actual painting or creation. Once the thing is done, they move on. The excitement is in the actual creating of the thing often more than the final product because by then they're already moved on to the next project and then it's for other people to appreciate. Um, so that's the first part. And then the second part you're, you're talking about is so important, which is then you sort of hit a tipping point where you're trying to make something better and, and now it's just kind of either not getting any better or incrementally better, but it's taking a lot of time and energy that, it, that would be better used in other places or even getting worse. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, then you kind of want to move on. <laughs> yeah. I feel like sometimes, especially in entrepreneurship, there, 
like isn't always an ending like there isn't always like a okay like my website is done now like mm-hmm. it, it can be still in flux and have things change um there's not like a okay i've finally created the perfect package and this is how it's going to stay yeah there is a point at which we kind of like have to settle into things for a little while and yeah. to work with them the way that they are to know what has to change um because especially with like packages, like it, I could think through it all I want over and over, but ultimately it has to come down like, what does the customer want? I have mm-hmm. to implement it enough times to get feedback from people to create something that speaks not just to me, but to the people that I'm serving. Completely, 100%. I mean, that's probably one of the biggest pieces of advice that I've gotten consistently through the years from my own coaches, which is pick a set of packages and stick to them for six months. Stop changing things because we think we're working quote unquote by working on our ideas for packages. But if you don't actually launch them out into the world, you're not a getting any clients and B you're not seeing what resonates and what's good and what isn't and what needs to change. And plus the world always changes. People need something now in the middle of COVID with kids at home or jobs ending completely different than that they needed four months ago. And that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur is you get to say, well, all of my stuff worked really well for everything until four months ago. And some of it really needs to change right now. How can I be creative? Where is there space to play and come up with something completely new that matches reality? Like you don't have a huge, a huge barge to have to turn really slowly in the water. You could pivot like that and say something, well, I just came up with a new idea. Let's put it out there and see what sticks. Um, I want to, before we wrap up, I want to bring this back around to your implementation labs for a couple of questions. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you touched on that you expected a lot of entrepreneurs to be part of this and it changed into something slightly different. So who, who's showing up and like, what are they doing? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, there are still definitely, uh, like it's not quite half and half, but let's say it's a close to half and half entrepreneurs. The ones who are coming are working on either all the admin things that they need to get done that they just don't ever really want to do, but need to happen. So clearing through their emails or, you know, setting up connection calls or following up from networking. So just stuff that needs to get done or actual client work. So working on copywriting for a client or designing programs or their marketing calendars. So it's a nice chunk of time for entrepreneurs to focus on that. But the interesting thing is there is a, a, a nice core group of people who are for the most part not entrepreneurs, but who have projects that they have been wanting to work on and for the most part haven't been able to focus otherwise because they'd rather be doing other things or the stuff is hard or scary or overwhelming and they're not sure how to do it or they, it's too big. So these are people working on getting articles published or dissertations published, working on studying for licensing exams, working on just general um, financial paperwork, bookkeeping, medical, like the paperwork and the digital version of paperwork that needs to get handled um, or literally clearing up their spaces so that they can live their lives and start their art projects or whatever their passion projects are. And 
what has been amazing has been the the seeing what happens. We're again now in four months already of this, and a lot of these people have been there since the beginning. What happens when they finally start setting a aside time for themselves and showing up for themselves week after week? You know, and and sometimes they're they're three four times a week showing up ninety minutes at a time. And they are seeing what it takes to stick with something, even when it's hard, even when it's uncomfortable, even when there are distractions, and even when these are things that they would rather not be doing, they know that they're important to them and what it is to ride it out in company so that they're not alone. Um, and what happens is you see support from each other, right? You see the other people raising their hands like i've been there too i've experienced that too here's a resource that that i like someone who was just trying to manage all of her passwords and we had multiple people saying i use a you know a heart, like a an address book that you can flip to the right page and find your passwords and someone else says i use FastPass." so literally providing resources but it's it's beyond the actual resources or the coaching that's going on is the fact that they're not alone that they're not alone like practically, like literally we're all sitting there together, but they're also not alone in their emotions and their experiences. They're not the only ones who have felt this overwhelmed or afraid. And, and something about handing that over and knowing you're not alone releases a lot of shame and fear and guilt and self-flagellation. So you don't need to beat yourself up. There's nothing wrong with you. You're in great company. And that itself frees all of this energy to either do the thing that you need to do or to do the other things that are calling for your attention and still know you're a good, wonderful, safe person, even though you did laundry and took a shower and ate breakfast instead of starting right away with your dissertation. Um, have you read Give and Take by Adam Grant? I'm probably no, I haven't. I haven't even heard of that. It's amazing, and he, mm. he uses a lot of like scientific evidence to show the difference between what he calls givers who just give freely of themselves, matchers who want to give and receive, and takers. Mm. Obviously, they just <laughs> things, and we all kind of have certain ways that we tend to approach certain social situations and it may be different depending on the situation that we're in meaning we might be a giver with our friends and family but we might be a taker when we're in business um and mm. so the last chapter of that book reminds me a lot of what you're doing he talks about something called a reciprocity ring mm. which is basically where people are sitting down together and providing resources and support and it becomes the norm to be a giver mm. And so even if you are a taker or a matcher, you tend to gravitate towards this giving mindset. And like it's, that's what your community has become from what I've seen. Mm, that's so nice. You know, it sounds, it also reminds me of the law of reciprocity. Like most people feel a desire to give back once they have received. Yeah. Not everyone, but yeah, I love that. I'll go check out that book. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. All right. So if, there is somebody who wants to check out your implementation labs. How can they get there? Oh, I will tell you. Hold on. I'm going to make sure I get it right, but it should be a placeofjoy.com slash implementation lab. 
and there's a hyphen in there. So a place of joy.com forward slash implementation dash lab. Okay, perfect. I will put that in the in the notes as well so that people Thanks. Can... Yeah, thank you for coming and sharing all this today. It was wonderful having you. You are welcome. And I will say that just knowing you as a person and having witnessed what you have done for yourself, for your family, for your husband and his business and for your business and for your community is that is in itself a joy. I mean, you are a powerhouse and your art is so impactful and beautiful, but more than that, it comes from your heart. And I just wish you all of the growth and expansion um, that you want because you certainly deserve it. And the world deserves to have you as one of its great storytellers. So very grateful to know you. That means a lot. Thank you. You're welcome. If you enjoy this podcast, please share with friends, subscribe to our channel and leave a review. I would be incredibly appreciative of your support. What do you want to remember most about this time in your life? Imperfect joy preserves your most precious memories through photography and filmmaking. A story told through your perspective structures memories that reflect what you want to remember most about all of the ages and stages of life. There is beauty in the everyday moments, even with all of life's imperfections. In your session, I don't want to change anything about who you are. We let life unfold, and I hone in on the details that help you remember what your family's love feels like. Visit imperfectjoy.com to learn more.